Death smiles at us all, but all a man can do is smile back. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast with me, your host, Austin Yoakum, and producer Marcus Sawson behind the scenes. This quote leads us into our guest today, Adam Menner. Coach Menner is a sports performance coach and partner for Varsity House Performance. I had Coach Menner on today to talk about the business side of sports performance. I, I love his coaching and I love his philosophies and what he does. But something I think that he does a phenomenal job of is the social media and the the actual building a business behind the gym. Something that's not talked about enough in our sector. It's work, 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 grind, grind, grind. But how do you make a living out of this this field? How do you how do you retire a strength coach and not burn out and not go into different industries? How do you get paid your worth? And that's something I think coach does a really nice job of explaining how to do and building systems out to do it. And that is what we covered during this podcast. It's been one of the most highly requested questions when we do our weekly Q&As is how do you build a business? How do you make money in this field? And hopefully this podcast provides a glimpse into how to do that. Hopefully it provides a glimpse into some of the rabbit holes you can dive down into so you can build a business out of this sector. You can build a profitable and retireable career out of our field, which is something that I think is so valuable. Create freedom build the life that you want to build and watch your expertise grow with that. Thank you guys for listening. Before we hit the intro music, I wanted to introduce to you guys the Yoakum Strength Insider. The Yoakum Strength Insider is our online training platform that takes all of the ideas that we talk about on this podcast and implements them into a program that is available to you at the touch of your fingers. Our goal with the Yoakum Strength Insider is to create better movers, to level up your life and to move forward from where you are. We do this in a holistic fashion. Not only will you receive a program that has helped hundreds of people become better movers, you'll also receive access to our app that allows you to track everything, has video links for all exercises, and allows you to be in constant communication with a Yoakum Strength Coach. Along with this, you'll get our 30-page PDF nutrition and lifestyle guidelines that includes everything from what to eat, how much of it to eat, why we're eating it, meditation habits, and other lifestyle habits that we implement with our clients to really level up their lives. If you're interested in trying out one of these programs, use Podcast 25 in the discount section right before you pay for 25% off your first program. Marcus, you know what time it is. Hit that intro music. Boom. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast. Take the leap down the rabbit hole with us as we interview elite-level guests to unravel what high performance really is. Well, Coach, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you here. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. You know, I I like what you're doing in your message, so I'm happy to be a guest. Yeah, like I mentioned before we started recording, I've been thinking about having you on for a while now, and uh, you reached out through the DMs. I'm like, no way, this this is kind of perfect. and I, I really love the kind of business side of what you're doing. It's very professional. And I feel think you're building out the, the social media, the way it kind of can be built out. And we talked about like, what could this field be in the business sector? And I really think you and I are going to have a great conversation about diving into that stuff. But I really want to cover your background first. How did you get into the world of sports performance and specifically the world of private sports performance? How did you take that route compared to maybe the traditional like collegiate route? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think anybody's journey is is a little bit of, it's all different, right? A lot of times in this field, there's a lot of comparing. And so for me, it's actually funny. What a lot of people don't know is still to this day is I actually interned and worked at DeFranco's training systems. Oh, really? Yeah. When he was over here in Wyckoff, because we're in Orangeburg, Bergen County, just about. So like literally 15 minutes away from where our spot is. And so this is no joke. You know, I'll pull, I'll pull back the curtain here. My dad was friends with Cam Joss's mom. And we know Cam Joss, right? The director yep. of IU football. He's a really good friend of mine, was invited to my wedding, like the whole night. And they were just friends. And so like I switched my major because of basketball. I played basketball in college. I got hurt. And then I was getting into this training thing. So I'm reading. I'm like, okay, how am I going to get back into the industry or how am I going to get back into playing? What have you? And then I talked to my dad about it. My dad's like, oh, you know, this woman over here, I won't name her. Her son, Cam, works at this cool gym called DeFranco's. Unbeknownst to me, I'm really young. I'm like 18, 19 years old. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll go check it out. You know, just learn a little bit about it the most informal way of doing anything ever. It was literally like just a call. Like, Hey man, can I come? He was like, uh, yeah, dude, just show up Monday at like nine o'clock. And I was like, awesome. Had no idea what was going to go down. Right. So I get there the first day I walk in, it's this little storage closet just says DeFranco's training on this like door. Right. And this was the, was this the OG gym? So this was his second facility. Okay. Yeah. So second facility. So it was still, it was big, but not like big, big. So I, I opened the door. I walk in and then the first person I see is like Triple H, like warming up and then like Brian Cushing in the corner. And in my mind, I'm like, I don't care who you are, right? You're just like, oh shit, I know that guy. And then you're like, I know that guy too. And that guy and that guy. And then Cam's like, hey man, what's going on? I was just like, where am I? Like literally, I was just like, what's happening right now? So he introduces me there, fall in love with the training process. I meet Joe, Mike Wadango, Cam Joss. That was kind of the posse right there. I learn a lot about it, do my internship, learn a lot. I fall in love. I changed my major to exercise science. So I was originally, talk about kind of luck. I was originally business and psychology. So then I majored in exercise science, then minored in business, but I have a dual degree in, in psychology and exercise science. So I changed the whole major and then DeFranco's moves down to Onnit. So they go to Onnit and this is in 2013, no, 2014. He goes down to Onnit and then Cam goes down there with him. So then I'm in school at Montclair State University And then my professor, Joe Riggio, who's now my business partner here at Varsity House, he was there and we just, he was talking about training a little bit in his lectures in in a biology class. And so I go after, I go after class one day, I'm just like, Hey, you know, this is X, Y, and Z. I interned here, him being a meathead from New Jersey. He's like, dude, DeFranco's like, like, love him. Like we talked a lot. So we chop it up. He asks me to do an internship here at Varsity House. And so I come to Varsity House where we are now and uh, I just get my butt kicked right? Like just a crazy internship, non-paid 14 weeks there, 12 hours a day, you do everything. But it was very structured because here at Varsity House, obviously we put training at the forefront, but we're really big into service and building career trajectory and business. So I got, again, I always use the word lucky because I got the DeFranco's training and then I got this Varsity House business aligned by the time I'm 21, 22 years old. So now I'm like, wow, like how can you combine training with delivering world-class service and, and being a true professional in the industry, which we'll talk about later. But then that just kind of led to one thing and to other. I fell in love with it. I went all in full time. And then now all the way where I'm a partner with the business of strength, which is our consulting company. And then at varsity house where we have two locations now. And so we're expanding and we've been really fortunate to uh, have a lot of different projects going on. And, and that's kind of what led me to where I am now. So that that's a freaking cool background story right there. You yeah. get the whole DeFranco kind of setup, which uh, yep. like yep. when I was growing up, I was in the same, like I was 
Cam and DeFranco were like the gods. I was like, oh, my for goodness. sure. Like, wow, that, sure. that's amazing. The fact that you're able to walk in and you're like Triple H, that's really, really cool. Yeah. I'm interested. Could you dive into that? What that kind of internship process kind of looked like? And what were some of your biggest takeaways from that? Because I think that's something that I get questions a lot about is like, what should I look for in internships? Um, what should I like try and grab from internships, that type of thing. And one of the things I talk about, and one of the things that I took personally from my internship growing up is, is that business side. Like I, I ate all of that up. I wasn't a huge fan of all of the training methods that we were performing at our internship, but man, that business side, I'm like, wow, their marketing is amazing. This is what they're doing there. And that was really the part that I wish the internship would have even dove further into. So I'm interested in how, like what you kind of took from your internship and what you like, what advice you can kind of give for people looking for internships. Yeah, for sure. Good question. So for the Franco's, I mean, Joe is just like, he's brilliant, right? He's just brilliant. And so that was all training, but Joe was kind of in and out. So I was underneath cam and cam would tell you too, you know, you could reach out to him right now, but he was still learning and on the up and coming. So it was cool for me to see his process of doing that, but that was more of an informal internship, meaning like, Hey, just take notes on here. Here's what I'm reading. Read this book. Let's talk about it. Clean the bathrooms. Like literally that's what it was, but I loved it. Cause it was just like, this is what I was learning. I was a fly on the wall for training, but to segue into the second point, like you said, uh, for the business side of things, I think when strength and conditioning coaches think business, they immediately think of that ad that comes up on Instagram where it's like, does your gym need to make 50 more K download my three-step ebook. And they're like, I freaking hate business coaches. You know what I mean? But business and strength and conditioning is about being a professional. And I think every young coach, when you're looking for an internship, you need to look at three things, you know, and I run our internship here and it's the first thing you should look for is what is the organization's core values? Meaning every single company, every single business, whether it's Berkshire Hathaway, Goldman Sachs, you know, your, your gym, you guys, everybody has core values and that's what you live by. That's how you conduct yourself. That's how you hire and fire employees. That's how you look for clients. That's how you get rid of clients. It's your ethos of your business. That's number one. Number two is structure. Right. So in terms of the interview process, when you're going to get an internship, do they have it laid out for you in a packet? Like, hey, here's what the next 10 weeks are going to look like, because then, you know, OK, I know that every week there's an objective of the week and what I'm going to get. And then number three, and this is just so true, you know, and this just goes for any industry. It's like, but do I like these people? Are these good people? Meaning like, could I go out and get a drink with this guy after this internship? Could I hang out with this guy? Or, you know, it's energy and it's like, hey, maybe, maybe this, the way this guy's talking to me, maybe my first impression of this wasn't so great. So, you know, I feel a little apprehensive about being in the trenches with this person for, for 10 weeks. So those three things with an internship, I think are something that you should look at. And, you know, I know really good collegiate and professional institutions that run really good internships like that as well. So I think those are the three key things that you should look for. I like that. And uh, that, that's something that I think a lot of like, it kind of sums up really like if the core of what an internship should look like is, is those three things and trying to grow and really look for that's something I talk to interns all the time is like, you need as an intern, like your number one job, you should cause less headaches. Uh, you should, you should like, fix less headaches than you cause basically. And are you doing that? If you're causing more headaches than you are fixing, uh, you're probably not going to last very long. And that's something that we talk about with our interns here is like, find a way that that's something that could be a headache, something that is a headache and try to find a way to fix it. And even if it's a super, like you talking about cleaning the bathrooms, like that's a headache that you are fixing. That That's how you provide value in that moment. And you're 18 years old and that's the value you provide. Now you're at a much higher level and you're able to fix much bigger headaches and through there. And I think that's a, that's an important piece that a lot of interns like they struggle with is all right, well, I don't, I don't feel like I have all the, none of us have all the answers anyways. And that it's like, all right, yes, you are, you're 18, 19, you, you don't have all the answers. 
find the first headache that you can solve that you do have the the ability to solve and, and actually solve it, fix it, help help the business grow in that sense, and then watch how long term that that provides value for the company. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, Elon Musk says it at the highest level, and it goes all the way down to no matter how the size of your business is. One, can you solve problems? And two, do you have a skill set that the business does not? And that's it, right? Because then you're solving holes. If someone was to come to you right now and they're like, hey man, I love what you do. I love your message. You know, I'll come in, I'll work for very minimum labor, but I'll film everything. I'll edit your videos and I could build you out a really awesome backend platform. What are you gonna be like? No. You yeah. know, like, but they like they love training. So like they just have this skill set in the industry that they love. So it's like that's what you have to look for when you go into a business. It's not, you know, what can this business do for me? It's what can I do for this business? And then you're gonna gain leverage with your skill sets. So exactly. And bringing like you said, that outside, I like how you brought up the recording and the, the skill set and even like the social media side. It's like bring that outside skill set. I think that's something that interns and even the strength conditioning as a whole doesn't value enough is that that what are your outside talents that you could bring to the, yeah. to the field? Something I really enjoy doing is writing. And I think that's something that's helped the business a ton is I'm, I'm I like writing. So I write a bunch, uh, my editing skills of videos and stuff like that is horrible. And it's like, <laughs> that's like not the, not the skill set. And I love having, like I have, in, I have an intern that does all of our podcasts and builds everything like that out for us. And like bringing that outside skill set is one, that one, something that sets your company completely apart. And two, being able to bring that stuff, like advances your career so much faster than, reading. And I think you, you need to have the background. We talk about this all the time. I'm not trying to minimize the background of the super training and the, the knowledge of the field. You need to have that, but what is going to set you apart? What is going to move you forward? Is that outside piece? A hundred percent. Yeah. Because ultimately, like we talked about a little bit ago is like your, your knowledge in this industry is your commodity, right? And you have to either a, in order to be super successful, you have to a be so uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Great at it, I guess, for lack of better words, that like you're the ultimate person for that. You know what I mean? Like maybe you started, you're like Ron Huskin, you started PRI Institute, where you can make a whole business around a specific institution. Otherwise, you need to bring other skills to the table because your business is not be able to stay alive, right? Because how many things like can we all talk about that are very similar? Sure, there's different viewpoints, or maybe people take it a step further in terms of like how they, like speed, I'm just using it as an analogy, but it's like, okay, we all love speed, but like maybe like someone has an extensive data about speed like we do here. And it's like, okay, we take it a little bit further, but it's nothing new that nobody else has never done before. So we need other things that are going to help build the other legs of the business. And so as you, you know, to put it, to land the plane, it's like, yeah, bring other skill sets to the table that are going to make you extremely valuable. And they're going to make you a commodity within that business. And before we dive completely into that, the business route, and I have a bunch of questions that I really want to really want to get into that rabbit hole with you. I want to dive into kind of your philosophy of sports performance in the first place, because you you talked about training with Joe and you talk about speed a bunch on your uh, social media and and speed emphasizing that. Can you kind of talk about what is important and what matters in the, the sports performance field? what you think you kind of are the, like what, what expertise you bring to the field and how you think we're kind of missing that mark in the field and what, what you're kind of seeing people miss a lot. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think for us, obviously, like you, you touched upon is speed is really important, but not just because it's like, Hey man, you need to be fast. I like to look, and this is why, you know, I, I reached out to you 
is because I like the way you think in terms of global. What's a global approach? How can I look at things objectively? And when you look at sports in the world today, and you look at the current state of our world, speed is the great equalizer, right? It's the it's the flag that rises all tides or whatever, that I butchered that quote, whatever it is here. But it, it truly is because one, it's health, right? In terms of improving cognitive function and neuroplasticity and youth athletes and getting them to run around and play games and tag and just developing that base. Or whether you're an advanced athlete and you're extremely fast, We've been very fortunate that we work with a lot with the NBA draft. And it's like, it literally is the difference between like, wow, that guy had an amazing time. We're going to pay him X or it's like, he wasn't that good. We're not going to pay him that much. And so that's kind of the global approach, health and the overall where the game is headed. But two, you look at is, you know, from a more science standpoint is speed is the hierarchy of athletic development in terms of the builds, all subsequent qualities. If you want to improve your neurological capacity to make decisions and cognitive function, well, get yourself exposed to fast paced situations. If you want to improve your change of direction, your power output, it's like, yes, you want to improve speed because nothing in the weight room utilizes hundred percent of your motor units and force output. And so that's why we've kind of categorized that. And then lastly, this third pillar being in business, and you could probably attest to this too. If you're in the private sector and you train youth athletes all the way up, maybe to pro athletes, what's the number one thing they ask you for? I want to get faster. I want to get faster. My kid's slow. It's like, okay, no problem. So we speed, or I already love it. And it's the number one thing that I ask for. It's just this full circle here. And like, again, is strength training important? Yes. Is movement important? Obviously we know those things, but I know that if I'm chasing speed, that I'm going to check a lot of these other boxes. And then before we get into the business side, it's like, then I can write my emails about it. I can write more about it. I can reach the parents about it. We can do free speed clinic. It just all comes full circle and it just helps facilitate and checks a lot of boxes. So I love that cognition piece that you mentioned too, is like the, the, the fast pace and be able to make those decisions. Like that's also speed, you know, like then making those wiring, sure. doing that. Uh, how do you go about like, I don't want to say, how do you make people faster, but what are kind of maybe your key pillars of making like, focusing on this speed. We have a lot of people talk about speed, talk about speed, but how do you need a gritty actually do it? Like, well, what's your big focus points? Yeah. I mean, without nerding out too much, you know, we could do it. We could, we could rock it. But uh, I think when you look at speed one, you have to have metrics, right? Cause you have to have controllable inputs. So we have a lot of technology that we use that we've acquired over time. It used to be all the handhelds, but then when we start training bigger groups and more people, it's like, it was out of control. I mean, it was like, we were doing like 50 to hundred handhelds a day, just because of how many guys are going. We're like, this is ridiculous. So we started getting the technology side of things and then we could really track things. And then we got deeper, deeper into it. But when I look at speed, there's three things, right? There's three pillars. Number one, it's the six, the sequential phasing of a speed program in terms of like distance. So if you work with team sports, they probably don't need to run hundred meters. So we can cut that distance down to 40, 50, 60 yards. Knowing that then we have to segment that into the start acceleration and max velocity. So every athlete that comes in, we test them and we build out a speed profile. So we run, depending on their, if they're a youth athlete, we don't do this, but if they're high school, college, we do, we run a force velocity profile and we just say, Hey, you need to work on these things. And then what we've done from there is we organize them into categories. You're either novice, intermediate, advanced based off three benchmarks. And this is also for like development and safety. Meaning if I'm going to use resisted sprints, well, little Jenny, who's 14, she might not need them. So she's in the novice. And then if the, she's training next to a kid who's a little bit more advanced, he's an 18 year old, he's going to go play D1 football. Well, then he's going to use X resistance. So we categorize them within a session, but here's what's unique is they're all training next to each other. 
And you would think like, oh, that doesn't work. You can't do that. No, it does. Because little Jenny gets to look to her right and see this awesome girl, you know, and I'll shout her out now, Shannon Connolly, who's going to go play high major D1 track and potentially Olympics. And she's like, wow, I want to be like that one day. And they're training together and Shannon's giving her tips and it's just an awesome energy session. But they have individual plans based upon our initial testing. And then the way we operate here is pillar three of that is we have four 13-week blocks throughout the year. And because again, that's seasonal with sports but also it's seasonal in terms of quarters within the year. And, and that's kind of business as well. And so during that 13 weeks, we have two weeks is acclimation. Week three is testing. We send report cards home to the kids. Then they have weeks four through six is kind of developmental acceleration. Seven through nine is more power. 10 through 11 is more like absolute speed. So we get in greater distances. Then we retest and then we test them again. We have that data. We put in a report card. We send it home with the kids and the parents. We take one big picture and like, Hey, this was an awesome block of training. We can't wait for you guys to come back. So I truly believe here that we've blended like true speed training into like community and service in our business. And, and that's why we put it at the forefront. So I love that community aspect that you mentioned, because that's something I've been noticing recently uh, this past year is where we've started to get like the diversity of clientele. Uh, like you have that female, young female athlete with the, the big football player and watching the differences. And I think it goes both ways and inspiration wise is I mentioned this a lot is like you have that big football player watching the, the young female do gymnastics and they're like, holy shit, a body is able to move like that. That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. I want to be able to move like that. For sure. And then you have the young female watching the football guy, maybe squat like 500 pounds, whatever it is. She's like, okay, a body can do that. Like let's push some of the strength aspects. And I love the, like you would say, like you look at the session, you're like, how the hell is that all going to work together? But it's almost, it's almost better that way. It's, it's almost the community aspect that that builds and the energy that brings is, is so different than what it was before where it was just, all one clientele, all the same person doing the same program. 100%. And we'll go down a quick rabbit hole, right? Like what is high level coaching? You know, it's like, is it the guy who studied super training and puts together the perfect block periodization? He has his play sheet, you know, and I have, I have them, but it's like perfect to the script. Okay. This, 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 or is it the person, right? And my definition is it's high accountability at every touch point throughout the whole session. So I'm making eye contact with everybody. Hey, Jenny, how's it going? How was your, how was your day the other day? Hey, John, how's this going? And you're just working the room and you're being able to deliver that high level of a session, right? To everybody right there. And so that is coaching, right? And we all know this and you'll talk to the greats. It's the X's and O's are awesome. Getting results matters, of course, but also what's the number one contributor in terms of a training variable for kids or anybody it's adherence right? Adherence to a program. You and I could write a program. Yours could be amazing. Mine could be okay. But if you coach it, okay, but I coach mine, great. I'm getting better results 10 out of 10 times. Like no questions asked, right? Because it's the brain. It's how hard they push the stimulus work capacity. And if they don't feel well, I'm still cheering them on. And you're just kind of like, yeah, today we're going to do 40% of our max velocity. It's a good run. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, it's, it, that matters a lot. And so I think we do that really well. And I think you do that really well. Thank you. And I think that's super important and something that probably not talked about enough is that like we focus X and O's, X and O's, X and O's. And it's like, yes, like everybody knows the X, like not ever. I shouldn't say everybody knows it, but yeah. everybody you want to compete with knows the X's and O's. Now, sure. how can we really, the adherence piece is the number one key. It's do they believe, do they have intent behind what you're doing? And do you yourself have that? Like you mentioned, like if it's a coach is running like, oh, nice. Yeah. Let's like, all right, nobody wants to be there for that. And yeah, if they don't want to be there, you're not going to get any results. Um, so this is where I want to transition and keep, this is number one requested topic that I've had on this podcast is the business world. And we've, we've touched on it. We've teased it a little bit, but everybody wants to know, how do you, how do you open the business? How, how do you go about this? And I think it's something that's in kind of the new wave of strength conditioning. It used to be 
college, 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 like you've got to go that route. And then everybody realized like, all right, you're capped at 40 to 60 K and you spent 40 years of your life and you're working 18 hours a day, you know, like it's, it's not as attractive as it was made out to seem. And now it's like, all right, what are the other options? And the, the, the private sector is something that I really think is, is kind of the future of strength conditioning. If you really want to enjoy it. And like we talked about, like, if you really want to retire a sports coach, so you really want to retire in this field, you kind of have to go this route. And I'd love to kind of crush this topic with you and, and dive into yeah, let's do it. some of the things of like, how do you leverage your, your expertise as a business? How do you, how do you build a social media presence and maybe start with some of these key points and your kind of key pillars here. And then we can kind of take it down into some of the rabbit holes that we want to talk about. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think again, you know, it comes down to three things. I try to make it tangible, but it's number one is like, there's a great book by Gina Wickman called traction. And that's your VTO, right? What is your vision traction organizer? Meaning you have to have a plan, but you also have to know like what you want for yourself. So like when you're sitting down, a lot of the reasons people go to the collegiate route is like, I love athletes and I want to be really smart. It's like, okay, cool. So one plus one equals two. So where's two? It's in the collegiate route. So I'll go this, I'll take those unpaid internships and I'll do a graduate assistant. Then I'll make my way up the ladder. I'll be the head coach at X school. And it's what I want to do. But then what they realize is that it's just like an institution, like any other job that you would take, whether it's corporate or what have you. And then you just, you, you alluded to it where it's like, you just have these limitations, you're capped, you're paid time off, right? The, how much time you're being stretched, your expertise is not really being leveraged because you can't set the standards for yourself. So I would ask anybody is look down the road in one, three and five years, what do you want your life to be? And then you build your business around what that looks like. And that's the key. You don't build your life around your business. Otherwise you're always working for your business and never on your business. And so you have to look at it like, do I want to get home at five to hang out with my kids? Do I want to have a break in the middle of the day? What do you want in your life? And you can build your business around it. I'm telling you. So that's number one. I think number two, those also is, and this is really hard pill for people to swallow. And this is for me, especially no business is a snowflake. I don't care what anybody says, right? You could be like, yeah, but you don't understand, Adam. Like I have like, I'm the best pure eye guy and I know the left AIC and I offer this and my assessments are an hour and this, or Adam, I do this, this, and this. I understand you do those things, but guess what? All businesses are fueled by cash, people, systems, and marketing. That's it. That's it. And you have to understand those four things because how you get a real business to get going is one, you need cash. One, you need streamlined services. Do your services look like a Chinese menu? Meaning- People, there's too many things there. So people can't make a choice on the consumer end, meaning like the parents, the kids. Number three, those also is the people, or I'm sorry, is the systems, right? You need systems in your business. So what does your finance system look like? What does your marketing system look like? Your operation system look like? Your service system look like? Your coaching development system look like? And you need to put people in those seats because this is what happens to every young business, right? We're a mature business, but a younger business is that you wear all the hats within your business, Right. And you know this from an energy standpoint, you can't give 100 percent to one and then another and another. It's usually 15 here, 10 here, 12 there. And then you're putting out fires on the back end. So by segregating your business and compartmentalizing it, you as the CEO and operator, you need to find the right people to fill those seats within your business. So that's number two. And then number th four, or that was three, four is people. Right. And finding the right people. How do you do that? Well, we do it through an internship and homegrown because I truly believe is if you want to go out and you want to find someone that's really skilled and has a high level of expertise and you're still a young business, they're going to want a lot of money for their skill set. And you as a business maybe cannot afford that. 
And then what's ultimately going to happen is, is like we talked about before, is they might collide with your core values because they see things differently. They want to do things. So we do things homegrown through an internship, as it sounds like you do. And hopefully a lot of the listeners do is you want an internship where they come in, they, they're like a sponge, right? So they know their core values. Maybe they read, you know, your business ethos. They talk, they learn all these things because then you can develop them into a position that the business needs. And so that's huge in terms of one, from just a cash standpoint, hiring, but two, just from a people standpoint is like, you want people that you want to work with and people that buy into your overall mission. And so I think when laying the groundwork for a business, those are the three things that you should really think about and, and consider. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love that homegrown kind of aspect because you can, you can find out quickly. It doesn't matter like what the resume says, like it doesn't matter. It's like, it goes back to the problem solving, but is that person a problem solver? Is it somebody that you want to hang out with? All the internship stuff we talked about before, but you don't know that off of resume. You don't know that off of even their past background. They could have the greatest results ever, but is it going to fit sure. with what you want to do? You'll find out in a 10 week internship. You'll, you'll find out right away. I mean, you can find out in two weeks. It's like, all right, this, this is a guy I want to grow into a spot or this is not going to work. And you can create headaches or you can eliminate headaches that would have been on the back end in the front end just by home growing it in that aspect. Yeah. And you're just weeding it out because if someone comes in and they're not willing to work for you for free for two weeks or eight hours a day, it's like, dude, what do you think? I'm just going to pay you 55 K right off the bat. And then you're just, your life's going to be amazing. It's like, no, you, you build into it. You earn into it. It's like, go try to work for Goldman Sachs and be like, yeah, I need 500,000 a year, you know? Cause it's like, no, dude, it doesn't work that way. So same thing with our business. And then something that I want to, I want to take it down a rabbit hole. And this is like a touchy subject in our field, which I, I don't understand why, but the, the kind of social media aspect of it. And this is something where I see a lot of coaches, like they just swear it off and it's, oh, it's just like, you just, you want to record, you just want, it's all about you. And it's like, you, you got to have that marketing aspect of one of the marketing pillar that you mentioned. One, I, one, I think it helps really explore your ideas. I think social media is one of the best spots to really work on your craft and in and of itself. But business-wise, I think it's one of the most powerful tools you have access to that most people for almost all of a human eternity has never had social media. And you have this mega powerful tool to be able to use. And some people, they're just swearing it off and not using it. And then they'll complain about not getting paid enough. It's like the money is there to be made. There's clients out there looking for your service. You need to be using this tool. So I'm interested in how you use this tool and how you use it without the, the sellout mantra where you're talking about where it's like, you, you want to increase business, uh, sign up for our 50 K like pro, that type of stuff where you're not going down yeah. that route, but you're using so, social media in a organic way to boost your business. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think again, it, it, there's things that pop to my mind. Like number one is, you know, there's been more millionaires made in the last 20 years than in the history of the economy. Why is that? Because of social media. So it's like, Oh, well, you know, I don't want to sell. I don't want to sell out, but it's like, it's the number one tool that you have. That's free by the way that can elicit or can, that can get you where you want to go. That's number one. Number two is also is today attention is currency and not just attention, like an influencer. I'm talking about your business, right? You could be a world-class strength and conditioning coach. Guess what though, dude, or female, if you're in your gym alone and nobody knows where you are, guess how much money you're going to make? Zero right? You're going to make $0. And so people need to know where you are. And I'm talking about if you train adults or like we train athletes and adults and I love it because, but it's like, they need to know where you are. They need to know what you do. They need to feel comfortable with you. So they need to see you a lot. They need to read what you're about, so forth and so on. That's number two. And then number three, also, like you said, I think it's the ultimate tool to show your expertise and leverage a skill set. Because for me, 
it, uh, it definitely got us me a lot of opportunities just being completely honest, whether it's like I was allowed to do the NBA draft because this is a true story. If he ever hears this, but Paul J Fabritz PJF performance recommended me for a draft for rock nation sports out here. And I don't tell a lot of people that, but he's all the way in the West coast because of social, we talked and he saw the stuff that we were doing. He's like, wow, they're really qualified. And it got us an awesome opportunity and other things that have come our way as well. So it just leverages your skill set If you do it right, obviously that can help you get opportunity that can tr- truly change the trajectory of your career. Well, and that, that's something that I, I try to tell people all the time is like the amount of opportunities that I, and I, I think I have a skill set. I think I, I've developed and worked hard on that, but it's, you talked about the, the coach that is it. And I've seen it all the time. It's like they're experts and they're sitting in their gym alone or they're experts and they're, they're sitting at the same job. And as a 25 year old, I'm offered opportunities because of social media, just because I put those ideas out there and they're not. And I think that the leverage piece is key. I'm interested. Are there other ways that you are leveraging it and going about leveraging your social media in the organic way of just bringing people in or like, how how do you think about the leverage side of social media? Cause there's a side of building it up, which we touched on, but there's also the side of actually using that social media presence. How, How are you kind of going about that? Yeah, I think when you look at social media, though, you need to look at it as a business, because if you treat it kind of so-so or like a hobby, it just is a hobby. But if you treat it like a business, it is a business. So, you know, when constructing your social media, you also have to have something to give to the world in the sense of a skill set. And most guys do. But how do I leverage that skill set? Well, you know, I think the number one way to do it is one is pillar content. So pillar content refers to like long form, YouTube, podcasting, writing is also long form, depending on the article. This is where you get all your ideas out there and you're able to show what you're, you're about. So it's what you're about, but also like what your business is about. And framing is really important, right? There's a difference between like, this is what I know, but this is how it helps you. So I could say something like speed is really key. It makes you really fast. Or let's say I'm marketing to an adult, I could say, why your kid is slow and needs to get faster. And it's just that shift where you can be like, oh, wow. And then you have people reading about it. And we're all saying the same thing, but the framing is important. So leveraging pillar content because it's evergreen. A YouTube video is there forever. You can always reference it. An article is there forever. A podcast is there forever. But then what you can do is more micro content and you can take those small bit content, chop those up. And then that's where you post it out to your Instagrams, your Twitters, your TikToks, your LinkedIn's and what have you. And that's just to garner attention. But the ultimate goal is to get people into the pillar content. And then you can go and then you can kind of just create other things or network. So when I'm on social media, a lot of things I do is I look at what people are doing. If I like it, I reach out kind of like we did, or if I'm like, Hey, that's cool. I like it. Or I think this would be good. So forth and so on. You're just building your network on social media over time. That's the front end though. What the thing that most people struggle with is the back end. And the back end is like, what is a business, right? A business is not just like, I have 10K followers and like that, I'm cool. No, a business is like, I have a consistent stream of people who are interested in an audience that come in. And once they come in, what do you action them to do? And then the back end is where, well, what do you sell? And is it genuine, right? So how do you build out the infrastructure of your business? And then what does your email campaign look like? Are you sending out newsletters regularly? So forth and so on. Do you have a community? right? Because then you're really running a business. Like I come in every day. Okay. I'm checking in our community. Hey guys, how can we service you? We have these talks on these days. Hey, these emails and podcasts are going out. That's a business, right? A business. A lot of people get trapped in social media because they're sitting there and they're thinking like, okay, I just read this cool book. I wrote down my ideas. Like what could I create? 
but it's not about what can you create. It's like, no, what's, what's the service? What's my ideology? How do I help people? And then you then begin to create that content, micro content. And then you can get into specific strategies where you're hosting webinars or here's a free course or free ebook. And then you're just putting them into your funnel of, then they get into your email list. And then through the email list, you're asking them to do things, so forth and so on. Well, I like that point that you made about like, what can I create? Cause that's a question I get is like, how do you create content? It's like a lot of it's like, in a sense, it's like the organic kind. It's like what we're doing. It, like it's, exactly. it's, it's, a, yeah, you're it's documenting. a company. It's documenting and, and it's recording. And some of it is working on thoughts. And I, fi- I find that a valuable part of social media too, is working. And it's like, all right, I'm going to work on this thought and develop it. But in the marketing side, it's like, I'm not creating content. I'm, I'm just doing what we're doing and, and working through there. And then spinning it in a way that, that, that makes sense to the audience and, and brings value to the audience and why we are doing this and why you should think about doing this, why you should think about doing it with us specifically and, and kind of working on that aspect. But I love the, it's like it, people get stuck on the first aspect. It's like, that is so far down the road. You don't think about creating content. I think Gary Vee talks about it all the time too. It's just like, you want to get to a point where you're just recording your life and like talking about your life in social media, your GM, your life, like that aspect and getting paid for that. Rather than if you think about what am I going to create, then it, it turns into that one, people aren't going to value it because they, they know it's not real and they know it's not what you're doing. But two, it's like you, you have to sit in a constant cycle of creating stuff that isn't there. A hundred percent. And you look at even two, like, like, let's just say I'm making something up. Like, let's say like LeBron James, right? LeBron James gets paid on social media. He has all these deals. He has all these ads, all these things. But like, why does he have all those things? Because he was a really good basketball player that built that particular skill. And then he leveraged his skill to be able to do these other things. So it's like, well, what do you do? Okay. Well, you're a speed expert. It's like, okay, cool become a really good at being a speed expert, build it, build it, build it, document it, document it, document it, gain attention, gain followers, right? We can use those words. And then you will get the other opportunities where it's like, people are really interested in what you have to do because you've built a tribe, you know? And something that I always do is I always have these three notebooks that are going on. One's business, one's personal, one's training. And I carry them with me, even if I'm on the training floor. And it's just like, you talked about documenting. I'm like, while I'm in the session, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like, females have, they need, this is just top of mind right now. Females, they need smaller jump attempts when they're lifting because they don't have the hormonal and the neurological output. So males can take bigger attempts on weights and females can't. I'm going to go write about that. And then I'm going to share that with you. Not like, you know, I wake up today, sit down, like, what do I do? You know, like (laughs) that's so different in terms of like, that's where you see the best in the industry. It's because they're in it so much. They're building things and really what they're doing is just sharing and documenting what what's going on. And another piece I want to talk about uh, before kind of, I don't want to get lost in the, the, that storm that we talked about, but the, the forever content, I think that is super powerful and, and not emphasized enough. The amount of clients and opportunities and things that have happened from a post that I had six months ago that I thought nothing of is, is ridiculous. And it, it, I, I try to emphasize this with people. It's like, it's out there forever. It's, you got to shoot that shot. And the only way you shoot that shot is by putting something out there. It, it's a post that I was, again, I was working on, I was doing, and it's just documenting, but without ever posting, I didn't think anything was special about that individual post. And it led to this opportunity, which led to this opportunity. And it's quite literally life-changing. A post can be life-changing and we need to emphasize that point. Like it's out there forever. People are watching and reading and doing these things. And what you think is small, it, it, social media can literally bring millions of people to watch that one individual post, but you, you got to be able to put that shot up. Otherwise that's never going to happen. Yeah. Great point. Here's a perfect example. I will tell you a true story, but no names, right? Number one, social media is your virtual portfolio. 
It is your resume. Nobody is, I mean, yes, you'll ask for a resume, of course, but like, if I, if you're like, Hey, I'm going in for a job, let's say like, okay, also no, we want you to train these guys for the NFL combine. Do you think they're going to ask you for a write-up? No, they're going to be like, well, let's see his social. Who has he worked with? What's some of his ideologies? What's his YouTube? Like what's his articles? Like, like it happens. I've seen it. And number two, also, this is also about being a pro and, you know, I might, you know, ruffle some feathers here, but the whole strength coach thing of where it's like, I'm a man, I talk like this, I curse, I do this, whatever. This is how I speak. And then you also, that's how you come across. Like imagine in your post, you're just like, yeah, F this, F that. If I'm a mother or a father of an individual that I want to send somewhere and I see that I'm not sending you to, I'm not sending them to you, right? How you carry yourself matters a lot. Am I saying don't curse? No, that's not what I'm saying. But like the whole ideology of like, I am who I am and I do this, like, dude, you're an individual brand and you represent your business or company, especially in the private sector. And if you're an owner, how you conduct yourself affects everybody else. If an owner falls and they do something, right? It affects the next person, the next person, the next person. So you have to be aware of that. Number three, though, the story that I was going to say is that literally happened to a buddy of mine who had an employee who posted something on social and like the way he was come the way, I don't know the whole like logistics of it, but like the, what he was saying in the post was like, he was cursing and is like, this is me. I'm unapologetically this. He got like so many complaints, all this stuff. And he literally lost thousands in business in a month because of that one employee. And then it's like, yeah, you can be unapologetically you until you start hurting the pockets of yourself and the business. And then you're that dude sitting in your room alone who thinks they know a lot, but it's like your business is, you know, that. So that's my rant on just in terms of your social media, carry yourself like a pro. It is your social portfolio and you never know the opportunity that it'll, it'll get you. But that, I mean, I did, that's so cool that you brought that up. Cause I tell young coaches all the time. I'm like your social media in, in, and especially when new athletic directors and especially like the new wave, when an older wave and everybody is on social media, it is your resume. Like that is what people are looking at. They're, are, are you smart? Can you do this? Can you market? Can you like, that is what matters. And it, it's only going to get more as we go 10 years down the future, it's going to be even more. It's going to be like, people are going to listen to this podcast and like, well, of course guys, like what are you talking? It's like, but people don't understand that right now. They don't understand yeah. that you need to be on this. It, it's, it's almost like not an option anymore. Like you, you need to be marketing through this, through the, uh, you, you, you talked about some of the mistakes that that person made. I want to, I want to kind of branch off in that regard. Yeah. Some of the business mistakes that you feel like you have made and that you see in the field, you, you mentioned the swearing, the cussing, but what are some of the business mistakes that you have learned from in like maybe a younger career uh, and, and just going through this? I'm always interested in hearing some of the mistakes that you've made and then some that you see, maybe it's other stuff in the field that you are seeing common. It's like, man, we need to fix this and you could fix this super easily, but we're not doing it. For sure. Can I get like super numbery here and like just dig in? Oh yeah. So the number one mistake that I see, like, sure, you could say like the professional side, all of this stuff, but it is really your business model. And like, this is just a straight up gem because we change this when we consult, we've done this, but it's leveraging people, time and money, right? Because if you're an owner and you have employees, whether yes, your community, yes, core values, but ultimately, right, they have dollar signs on their head because when you pay them, what is that person worth to me? And what is that person worth to the business? And you should have a formula for that. Like they make, my business does this, my salary is X percentage of my top line growth. I pay this person this, but they're only generating X. That's a conversation you need to have. So one, it's 
what is in your business? What's a profit center in your business that works? And so you have to identify what that is. And I said it before, but you can't have a Chinese menu, right, of an option. So like literally they come in, they're like, okay, cool. My kid needs to get faster. You're like, okay, cool. We have the uh, the free sem- we have the free one. And then you can do the 10 package, the 50 package. You can do the nighttime package. You could do this, this, that, and the other. And they're like, uh, I'm confused. It's like, no, actually, if you want to train here, you just pay this monthly rate and then you're going to get X, Y, and Z. It's like, oh, wow, that's so simple. Because think about it. Now, when you market it, you're giving them one option and it just fuels it, right? I write, I do this, I do this, I market, I run Facebook ads to what? A free assessment to what? This trial. So that's number one. Number two is monthly income. Instead of paying up front, that was a huge thing I see a lot of strength coaches do. They're like, hey, I'm going to pay X amount for 10 sessions, 20 sessions. But when they do that, they own those sessions, right? Because they paid for them ahead of time. And then you as the business on the back end, you have to accommodate that. So maybe they're like, hey, I'm away for three weeks. Can I come in five times this week? Well, it's like you as a business owner, it's like, well, I have a, I'm strict with my time. I don't take sessions here, here, and here, but because you paid for them before, sure, I'll service this. Sure, I'm going to not spend time on my marketing to work with you. Sure, I'm going to do so forth and so on. So it gets a little chaotic. So it's pick your times, pick your offerings, pick your price points, and then you just market the crap out of that. And then it's very easy to scale right? Because that's what's key is you want to have systems in your business that are scalable and that are at the right price points because people will pay for them based upon framing and how you say it. And that's repeatable over time. So when you do your finances and hopefully you guys are, when you do your finances or if you have an account, it's like, Hey, how much are we making? What's the key driver for that? Okay. How can we leverage that? So forth and so on. You know, and I don't want to get too nitty gritty, but that's the number one mistake I see is people want to be so individualized with their service, which you can be like, I created our assessment process here and it's pretty thorough, but once you train, it's like, okay, you have your novice intermediate advance, you get categories to here, you come to these time slots. We have my coaches and we service you. That's it. But it doesn't mean it's not high level. It's just really well-oiled machine. It doesn't take a lot of bandwidth because Another thing, I mean, I could keep going, but another thing, right, is when you're looking at time, strength coaches in the private sector can do this. They're like, I had a really long day today. It's like, oh yeah, what'd you do? Well, I got in at seven. Oh, that's pretty early. Yeah, I had a seven and an eight. Okay. Then I got coffee at 10. I came back at 11. I trained to one. And then I read from 1.30 to, you know, 2.30. Then I had a 4.30 to 5.30. And then I left the gym. I cleaned up. I left at seven. Oh, you had a 12 hour day. It's like, yeah, but you did four sessions. So like you spread yourself thin in 12 hours, you did four sessions. So if you have all these clients and they're training, you have two here, five there, 10 there, one there, seven here, a private, it's very unorganized. And so how can I pick these time slots? Okay, we're going to shuttle all the people into these time slots and you could do 12 hours of work in four hours and make triple the amount of money because they're all paying a higher price point and they're all in those, in those sessions. And something that I want to kind of go with you. You Sorry, that was like a, a super rabbit hole, but no, 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 that's great. That is, it's triggering thoughts in my head too, because you talk about that monthly kind of service and, and something that you, you are getting to is like eliminate the confusion, eliminate the grease. We uh, like personal story with our online training that we do, which is kind of a big driver for, for our business is we eliminated before it was like, um, you had to click, it was so simple, but you had to click the, the, the PayPal button every month. It, it would send you an email, uh, you click the PayPal button. All right, I'm going to recur, reoccur. And we set it up to just be subscription based and same thing with the in-person stuff. And it was a 500% less dropout rate per sign up. 
it, it, because and it's just automatic subscription. And now, now it's, they, they don't have to think about it. It's just, it's just build monthly. It's going through. And all, all we did was eliminate one step. You don't have to sell them more than once. You just sell them once they go through, they go That's through and then, and then they quit when they feel like they're done. But you talk about like the small things you can do to increase your business, the, the small things you can do to eliminate the confusion, eliminate the kind of the things that would keep them from wanting to do it again. Cause they, they, they like the service. When we, whenever we had a client drop out, it'd be like, they liked the service. They liked what we were doing. Um, but it was always like clicking that button, feeling like they were loot, but you make a subscription based and you eliminate stuff. So that's something that it's, it's always drawn my attention to how can you make those small steps to make everything easier for the client, make everything that we have a product. We like, we, we love what we're doing at the gym. How can we decrease the, 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 the barriers to, to get to that product. And that's kind of what my big focus in business has been is trying to decrease those barriers. For sure. Because two things, one, what's the number one commodity as a business owner, you have time, you know, and if you don't utilize your time the right way, that's the quote I love is, are you working for your business or are you working on your business on your business is strategic. Okay. What's the price points? What are the numbers? What am I trying to hit this month? What is my quarterly goal? What does the marketing look like? Okay, who are the people I need to develop? And you're doing those things. That's how your business is going to take the next step. It's not like, you know, my uh, partner, Dan Goodman, um, he always says, don't mistake activity for achievement. And it's like, because you come in and you're grinding through sessions, then you're doing your ledger at the end of the day. And then you're doing your social media posts at night. Like that feels good, right? That feels like you're busy, but is it really moving the needle forward? And the things that move the needle forward are long-term planning systems, the right people, the right offerings, the right price points. Yeah. That's awesome. During this past COVID year, and then I always love asking this question the, you, we had struggles on struggles with business. Uh, it's like, all right, we're shut down. We're open. Uh, we, we, some people uncomfortable coming in, what has kind of been the biggest eye opener for you in the business route this past year, two years with this kind of pandemic, what has been the, the biggest eye opener and how has you, have you kind of taken that obstacle and used it to like, all right, I, this taught me so much about our business that we're going to be able to use going forward. For sure. Yeah. I mean, one word streamline. And coaches hate that, right? Like coaches are like, I love complexity. You should see my Excel sheets. Like, awesome. Like I, you know, I love that stuff. But at the end of the day, like you need to be able to streamline because it needs to be repeatable. You need to be able to know like what's happening month after month in your business. And so like full transparency, we got rid of employees. We got rid of systems. We cleaned up offerings changed some of our training model around, scaled a few things. And now, you know, we're headed in, in the best direction that we have been so much so that we were, we were fortunate to open another facility and potentially another. And so I think that when you look at that, it's like the simpler, the better, because simple is predictable. And same thing in training, right? It's like, if your training plan is not too complex, but like, because a great coach can take these complex ideas and then make them simple and the delivery is simple. But if the more simple it is, the easier you can predict it and track it to know that you're getting better. So that that's how you do your training. Same thing in your business. It's like, if there's too many moving parts, it's like, how do you even track that? You know, like imagine sitting down with your accountant and they're going through things with you and you're like, you know, and you're like, yeah, I have all these different things. And they're like, Oh my gosh. You know, like versus like, you know, no, this is what it is. Here's our offerings. How, you know, how many people do we need? So forth and so on to hit our goals. So I love that the street streamline is kind of, I mean, we, we touched on it earlier, but the more you can streamline the easier, everything in your life is going to be the eliminate those headaches and sure. everything that you want to offer is going to be better. 
And then not only that, like as a coach in the private sector, that's how you get the freedom that you want back on your plate. Right. Cause then you're not complaining about like, you know, Oh, I work too many hours. I do these things. It's like, no, then you can, like we said, right off the bat, you can build your life around your business or you can build your business around your life. Cause it's like, it's my business is streamlined. Okay. I have all the things in place. And again, it's never going to be that perfect, but it can, it can get there, you know, in the sense of like where you love what you're doing and you love coming into work every day and then you really enjoy it. And that's how you're going to get that sustainable career. Well, and again, that, that, because that's the thing that like the, the hardos and the grinders like in the desk guarders, like fear is like that freedom at the end of the day is going to lead it to a better product. And we, we touched on it to be business, like that freedom uh, where the freedom is good for you and it's good for that moment but it's also going to lead to a better product because the freedom allows you to dive deeper into rabbit holes, allows you to become a better coach, allows you to enjoy it. And it, it's just this full circle that I feel like we're disconnected. It's like, I don't want freedom. I, I want to do this, this, this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're going to burn out in three years and you're not going to like what you're doing. Your athletes are going to be miserable because you're miserable. A hundred percent. This was, so I'm not going to name this person, but they came to me. They're like business and training. Right. And I used to be of that mindset, like, and you know, there's times you have to do it. Like we'll get up early, stay super late. You're going to have to do those things. But it was like, I was like, no, like I'm going to grind. I want to be a difference maker. I want to be the absolute best in the industry, so forth and so on. And then like, they asked me, they're like, yeah, but like, what if I work twice as less as you make three times as more and my products better? You're like, oh, no, you, you know, you, you don't grind, <laughs> you know, and it's like, it was an eye opener for me because it touches your ego, right? Your ego is associated with your expertise and your knowledge. And like, you want to be the smartest person. You can still do that. We're not saying don't do that. That's what the social media is for. But it comes to like your business and what you're trying to do. You need to make sure that you can take those, simplify them and repeat it. Well, boom, let's get to the rapid fire rounds before we finish this off. And the, the first question you, you mentioned a couple of books through this podcast, but what are some of your favorite books that you think the listeners can get a lot out of? Yeah. I mean, I think number one's turning pro turning pro is a great book. Traction by Gina Wickman is a great book. And then here's a, here's an awesome book. These are, these are business. We can do training too, but the e-myth is amazing. The E-Myth is a great book um, and I read it every day. I still have notes and it's just about organizing and streamlining your business. And again, I said it before, no business is a snowflake. Certain businesses might have different things, but like systems and processes are the same, right? Like we could take yours and I's like, you're the owner, right? You yes, do sir. training. It's like, you're the owner, you do training. Okay. Do you want to market your business? So do we. You know, ideology might be different or what have you, but it's like, take your ideology, but you can still use the same systems. You can still use the same principles and you can still use the same tactics. Oh, and I, I like when uh, the, the books that are mentioned in the favorite book section are books I've never heard of. So this all have to dive deep into those rabbit holes. Yeah, the myth is really good. I, you should read it. And then I'd love for you to like call me and, and we'll talk about it. It's awesome. Awesome. I'm for sure going to check that one out. All right. The next question. And uh, this is one I like kind of expanding the, we talked about networking, but expanding the podcast network. Who's a guest that you think we should have on? Who's a guest that we should have on? Uh, if you want to keep going down this route, uh, my buddy and partner, Dan Goodman, He's uh, runs me. He would be awesome. Total bro. But the way he speaks is just the way he simplifies messages and talks about building people uh, is, is really cool. Boom. And then the last question of the podcast, when all of this gym stuff is over, all the coaching and business stuff is over, what do you kind of want your legacy to be? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I could talk about, you know, I'll get a little, I'll get a little deep here. I could talk about how I want to be known as a world-class basketball performance coach, speed expert, and you know, business and development. But I also think it's how many people have you influenced and touched? 
you know, and like how many people in our community right here, you know, a lot of people who love the online world, it's like, I want to, I want to be known. I want to do these things. It's like, yeah, but you have people right underneath your nose that you should service every single day. And it's like, I want the whole community to know I put my best foot forward, you know, friends, athletes, families, colleagues, and all those things, because at the end of the day, right. When this is all over, you know, and you're, you're in the ground, it's like how many people were there to celebrate how much you did for them. So well, boom, coach, this, this was awesome. I think, I think this one of my, might've been most, uh, informational packed podcast that we've had in a while. So this, cool, this is really Glad cool. For Thank sure, you for being man. on. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening. Keep chopping wood. Thank you for listening. Join us next week as we dive down another rabbit hole. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a five-star rating. Follow us on Instagram at Austin Yoakum to stay updated on future podcast guests. Keep chopping wood.